0: Hello and welcome to the Bang to Rights podcast. My name is Pete Murray. I'm a lecturer in multimedia journalism here at Manchester Metropolitan University. I'm joined by my MMU colleagues, Dave Porter. Hello, Dave. Hi, Pete. I'm by Jeremy Craddock. Hi, Jess. Hi, Pete. Hi, and we're we're here in the MMU newsroom again. Um, so the the air conditioning's on in the background. A major no-no, as I tell all my audio students. You mm. shouldn't have air conditioning going on in the background. <laughs> but there's also Chance. Some students will be coming in and out, so there may be hopefully no interruptions, but any other voices you hear, they're not me or Dave or Jez. Because this week um, we're going to focus on cameras in court. Now, the story about the cameras being allowed to... uh broadcast material from Crown Court. It broke just shortly after we went online last week, but we wanted to have a look at it to see how that project will actually roll out in practice, and most important, how it might be useful for journalism and media law students. We'll also take a look at changes to the political lobby system at Westminster and how some live tweeting this week has set the cat amongst the pigeons there. First of all, though, Dave, Jess, what's caught your attention uh, in the news this week, Dave?
1: Um, there was a good piece on the front page about... Um, the Alex Salmon case and a, a warning from the uh, Crown in Scotland and the Procurator Fiscal. Am I right? Yep. Um, really, just warning media organisations, reminding them about contempt. And uh, although we all have the same contempt, we both countries have the same contempt laws. And 1981 contempt of court act. Uh, nothing to publish, which is prejudicial, etc., etc. We all know um, how it's enforced. Is uh, much. Tighter regime, much more strict regime in Scotland. Um, we were chatting about this, this before we came on. People think it may be less to do with the mainstream press than uh, sending a warning away to social media to social users. Media, yeah, 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 which is so, in-
0: yeah. So just for background, Alex Salmond, you, I assume you know, former first minister of Scotland, long-time mm. leader of the, the Scottish National Party, um, and is is facing trial on sexual um, misconduct, yes. uh, sexual abuse charges. Um, and there has been a lot of speculation on social media around mm-hmm. about this. So um, when you mentioned this, it sent me looking back through uh-huh. through my old old, old uh, notes about how the, how the Crown Office and the Procurator Fiscal operates these things. So, yeah, it's all under the Contempt of Court 1981 mm-hmm. Act, but there are some specifics. So in Section 42, um, which has to do with reporting restrictions on uh-huh. on the media covering cases and so on... The understanding really in Scotland is that that that's got a wider brief than just kind of mainstream media and court Mm. reporters and Uh so on, which is where we're kind of familiar with it, um, south of the border. So they apply it, the the Crown Office will apply it. Crown Office is the prosecuting authority in Scotland um, and the Procurator Fiscal's Office is in effect the kind of Crown Prosecution Service. Oh, neither killer. organization would like me to compare the two because they, historically they are different, but in effect that's the way it, the way it works. And the Crown Office is a little bit like the Ministry of Justice, but they wouldn't like me to say, either, neither would like me to say that, mm. but to compare how the two systems operate. But they are much tighter about how yes. those reporting restrictions operate in practice. And so I think there has been, it looks like there was a bit of a slew of social media commentary on the Alex sure. Salmon trial before Christmas and immediately afterwards. Mm. And reading between the lines, I think the tone of the operational note was that media organisations, journalists, have to be careful about covering that social media sure. flurry, yeah, mm. and because that might that might constitute. Some I suppose you would
1: choice. hope so, anyway. I mean, it's interesting because we had the case of the serial rapist in Manchester, um, and the outcome of that, following that, um, there was a warning from GMP actually, Greater yeah. Manchester Police, to people generally, but social media users, about the dangers, the legal dangers, of course, of uh, identifying victims of uh, sexual assault. You know, we, of course, as journalists, we know that sexual offences, uh, Act Amendment 1, etc. Um, but it's interesting that they felt the need to warn people, really, mm-hmm. that they're beca- getting a knock on the door from the police for having, you know, broken... Um section one and an image order, yeah and um yeah interesting yeah i 'm mean, actually just going back to a Scotland thing as well, sorry, the Alex salmon case, uh what was interesting about the the article? Um, discussing the situation was, and I didn't know this was a case. I think it was late seventies, maybe nineteen seventy-nine, where the Glasgow Herald had fallen, They picked up a you story from the Press Association. PA, yes, the the story was found south of the border, of course. but
0: north of the border, it yeah. was seen as, so as, as a being. so that's a really good example. Yeah.
1: yeah, I didn't know about mm-hmm. that actually. So yeah, it yeah. just shows that the, the culture, of the two countries. Uh, they share the same mm. laws but have different cultures.
0: Yeah, and and effectively sort of slightly different case law as well. So there's yes. a number of cases, and you can see this. I'll, I'll put I'll put a link um, for for listeners. I'll put a link to the relevant page on <laughs> the Crown Office mm-hmm. um, website, and you can have a look at some of the case studies because yeah. the, there have been a few, and certainly around the, the turn of the decade, 2011, there were a couple of important cases, one of which involved the BBC um, about about all of this stuff. So it's worthwhile having a look yes. at that. But just in general, there is a general understanding that contempt is more strictly applied by the courts and mm. by the prosecuting authorities in Scotland and it particularly regards identification of, of of an accused for example so once mm. a case is active there's much much stricter okay. b- guidelines on that and that's mm. the that's the kind of practical effect that we're taught you know as mm. journalists or through the would mm. just be sure. very very careful about using any images at all because you're likely to, to get into trouble and already I there's been a case, uh, an episode of the, of the Gogglebox programme was pulled by Channel 4. Yes, because, because they of comments into, made into by uh,
1: families or members of families, yes. <coughs> Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yep, yeah. they're worthwhile keeping an eye on, and certainly when the, when the case comes back to the courts, when the full case comes back, I mean, there will be enormous public interest in that, so we'll, yeah. we'll come back to that. and I'll Maybe approach some of my um, former colleagues in Scotland mm-hmm. uh, who are covering the case and get, yes. get their view, so we'll come back to that. One of the things I wanted to look at was just very quickly in the news this morning, um, Ofcom has launched a public interest test into the Daily Mail buying up the i-newspaper because uh, they... This happened, what, you'll remember, in November last year, the Daily Mail and General Trust, which also runs a Metro newspaper, and obviously, and and crucially really, the Mail Online website, put in its bid for the I newspaper, which is owned by Johnson Press. Now, despite protestation from the Daily Mail about preserving editorial independence across the two titles, media watchers had expected that the takeover might be referred to the Competition and Markets Authority, and instead, the Culture Secretary... Secretary Nikki Morgan announced on Tuesday that she wanted Ofcom to have a look at it. I think Ofcom looking at it is probably because of the, the Mail Online mm, aspect to it. because yeah. they, they talk about different elements of the regulatory code, plurality across the, the industry and so on. And, and so I think that's one of the areas that they, they certainly wanted to look at. There had been, I think, a, an issue for the National Union. Journalists um, were concerned in early November before um, Daily, the Daily Mail put its bid in, that NewsQuest might take it over, and (coughs) NewsQuest does not have a great history in terms of taking papers over and then closing them down, Mm -hmm. so um, I think there was generally a welcome from the NUJ that at least some (coughs) investment was going into that, And although they might have reservations about Daily Mail doing it, Mm -hmm. they did seem to be putting in a lot of money in in behind the bid, Mm -hmm. so they were fairly content with (coughs) it, but now Nicky Morgan wants to have a look at some of the specifics of it.
1: I think what might be interesting, you know, uh, and I, I think sometimes when I speak to students about plurality, they are quite surprised by the degree of concentration of ownership in the UK. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes what do, you know, citizens or people who are not journalists, do they realise how concentrated ownership is and do they ever see that? If they did, would that then present itself as a problem? I sometimes get the feeling from these kinds of, you know... Um, inquiries which are put out but many people to really comment upon them are basically industry insiders and not you know the average person who buys the of the Mail of Express um, perhaps have not uh, an idea really of you know who's in who's stable and does that matter for you know freedom of the press, plurality, um, difference of voices, political influence, etc. Yeah. I, I, I think
2: uh, you're right, I, I, I think if you ask the average person on the street <coughs> they wouldn't be aware who is the parent company behind a newspaper? Mm. Um, they're probably more aware of who are the broadcast owners. When you think of yeah. Rupert Murdoch's um, broadcast interests, you know, and Fox News, all that sort oh. of thing. People are perhaps more conscious of that, but individual newspaper owners perhaps yeah. less yeah. aware. Because if
0: I mentioned those two, those two players, Johnson Press and Newsquest, between the two mm. of them. They, they account for, what, 90-odd percent mm, of yeah. all the regional and, and local newspapers yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And then you've got Archer and, um, mm, in, the, in Norfolk and the southeast mm. and so and on. Reach and yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Reach yeah. is a different, a different kettle <clears> of <throat> fish altogether, really, because oh. we're talking about the big national titles for the MEN, uh, the Mirror, and, sure. and so on. But in terms yeah. of the local press and mm. the regional press, much, much smaller. So it's interesting that Johnson Press is keen to get out of that to get out of that national area mm. where the eye was, oh. and uh, so from that point of view, it's good news for them really that uh, yeah. that the Daily Mail is potentially yeah. going to take over,
1: concentrate on the uh, you know the regional historically yeah. where it's yeah. been.
2: Yeah, and from an outsider's view, probably the, the 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 lay man or lay woman probably looking at the eye being put into the same table as the Daily Mail mm. would see there's a you know, complete um, contrast of papers there. Yes. But, so the concern over editorial um, independence, independence is important, yeah. isn't well, it?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the Daily Mail t- was at great pains b- yeah. back in November to say that they would maintain editorial mm. ed- editorial independence across the two, even though, you know, they are s- so far apart politically, they are, yes, aren't they? Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, they're likely quite possibly to move even further apart as, as the, this Conservative government kind yes, of beds in.
2: Yeah. And to, ch- to change either of those papers in the direction of the opposite paper would be to interfere with the Mm. audience wouldn't make sense it wouldn't make commercial sense would it really to interfere with that
0: so um (coughs) yeah that's that's that um the the consultation runs until what have we got the 5th of february um, so, uh, Nikki Morgan, presumably the culture secretary, will make an announcement uh-huh. quite shortly after that. Um, Ofcom, uh, there's nothing in their notes really to say which way they'll go, either way. Mm. But they will make a recommendation to yeah. to the minister, and uh, and she'll announce um, the go ahead or the amber light or wh- whatever whatever comes of it. As, um, then so we'll keep an eye on that. We'll come back to that um, next month um, as and when. Jes, so getting back to the, the cameras and court yes, stuff, um, yeah. this was something that you particularly wanted to have a look at there uh, this yeah, week. Yeah, um.
2: really interesting. And in a way, it kind of uh, going back to what you were saying before with the Alex Salmond case and the sort of different legal cultures between Scotland and England and Wales. And Scotland has, for quite a while now, had cameras... Um, sort of recording uh, judges sentencing. Yeah, types. so there's
0: been remarks from the, uh, the court of session, which is mm. effectively the High Court um, in Scotland, or, um, and uh, also from the High Court, Um, which is the kind of crown court level of the the justice system in Scotland so there have been various judgments from that and of course one of the most famous one of the the first of them all was actually the Lockerbie judgment the the delivery of the sentencing uh, the the delivery of the conviction of the Lockerbie bomber um, which I was at in in the Netherlands and that was one of the first but the, the we didn't see anything of the court. No, Nothing no. of the courtroom, just the judges. <coughs> and that's been what's kind of taken over, I think, in, yeah. in the Crown Court system here, isn't and it? And that's
2: kind of the... Uh, that's, that will be the details of this new um, system here in England and Wales, which has been piloted in eight Crown Courts, yeah. I believe, over the last several months. But uh, So it will be TV... Our cameras will be allowed into... Uh, broadcast the uh the remarks sensing remarks of judges in particularly in high profile cases, so there'll be no um, broadcasting of evidence from witnesses, victims or defendants or even uh, lawyers participating um, and there's been assurances i think from from uh, th- that this isn 't sort of the thin end of the wedge towards full uh, coverage mm. of cases as we have in America um, and I suppose it has implications for, for court reporting for journalists um, maybe mm. obviously under the contempt of court acts it's uh you know a contempt of court to take recording equipment into to courts um, I was thinking about this um, this is why shorthand is so important to journalists mm. but if we were to see um, further coverage of you know cameras in in court could that see um, a shift in the industry in terms of the way we train journalists?
0: Well, quite, you know? quite possibly. I mean, actually, we've used some of the clips from the pilot scheme here on the podcast yes, in the past. Yeah. So um, I, the judgment from, um, uh, from Recollection, I think it was Lord Thomas, about the, um, the uh, anti-fracking activists mm. um, in, uh, in Preston... Uh, just outside yes, Blackpool, yes. Um and on Preston <clears> New Road, so um, yeah, so we've ha- we have used some of that material before, and you know we'll continue to use it as and when it comes because it's provided from a, a pool of uh, the broadcasters. So Sky, BBC, ITV, and Channel Four News, all con- and Press Association, all contribute to that pool, mm. and I think they they will continue to do that. And it's it's always a kind of locked off camera. The camera doesn't move. It's just yes. the judge who's. I think Asha, yeah. I
1: pick up a good point there, which which Jez pointed to, and the Bar Council has. Raised as a potential issue that really it's, it's a great thing in opening up the courts to open justice. But their concern is, or one of them is, that you know, because you don't hear the evidence mm-hmm. and you've not heard much of the case, uh, it's very much focused upon the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and their theory is that you will get a uh, possibly distorted idea of why the sentence is as it is, and what and they no idea the background, all. Maybe the judge will obviously been able to summing up. Mm. Uh, and the other, um, I suppose, more political point that they raise is that, you know, with the focus being on judges, there's always that danger given enemies of the people, headlines, that, you know, yeah. judges may come in for some personal attacks, some uh, media attacks. And, um, because of its singular focus, it may somehow produce a skewed idea of what, of what crown yeah. courts are i don't know i think it, it i think it's a fairly uh relevant point to bring up actually Yes, yes, it was
0: interesting immediately after after the uh, announcement came out because you mentioned um, the conviction earlier this month of Reynold Sinaga, the, the yes. serial rapist, mm-hmm. and how people were thinking. Well, wouldn't it have been great to be able to see the judge's comments about that? Because she made some very mm. she made some very interesting remarks about mm. about all of that in the process of investigation and kind of safety on the streets <coughs> of Manchester and everything. And so it would have been good to see some of that as well as just read read the text of it. So that that might be a good example of, of how the yes. system might work in future because will be high-profile cases. It won't be everything that goes through mm. Crown Court. And with yeah. high-profile
1: cases, you could, of course, watch the sentence and then go back, go back and, 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 and read. The yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah there's, there very safeguards.
2: Yeah. And I suppose the whole idea behind um, the contempt of Court Act uh, and not allowing recording equipment in is to try and encourage that open um, discussion of evidence and, and not intimidating witnesses, particularly witnesses and victims... Um, if they were feeling that they were being scrutinised by cameras, um, that would discourage open justice, really. Um, but nevertheless, clearly the justice system is mm. is looking to align itself with the 21st century, really. And you, you look at how reporters can uh, tweet um, sentences or verdicts immediately from court, that's been allowed really for about a decade now, isn't yeah, it? and been able uh, to tweet evidence and cross examination yeah. and so on. So you, know, you know. can yeah. see this, you
0: know, the justice yeah. system's
1: moving. And also, the aftermath of a criminal court case, uh, immediately in the footsteps when, when a sentence is yeah. passed, it, it's you, you know, the cameras are there to see people's elation or you know if the, the defendant's elation that the, 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 the uh, you know, they've got off or you know the fact victim's family that they've been sentenced and found guilty. Yeah. So um, it's quite a contrast between the, this hidden world of the court, mm. and then suddenly the, the media coverage outside.
0: Well, the the anti-fracking protesters are a really really good example of that because the the report the the report on the BBC. Um, included exactly that so there was okay. footage of the protesters when they were re- released from from the high court and there was also the 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 judgment from from the judge as well and the bbc oh. combined mm. both of them so Great. if i can if i can find that uh, that story i'll i'll put that into the show notes and people can have a look at it because yeah. it's a really it's a i think it's an ideal example of the kind of stuff that we're talking yeah. about and the kind yeah. of the mixture of material that you mentioned there dave yeah okay yeah. So, uh, Jez, any other thoughts on it? How long this is? We, we've gone beyond the pilot now, and this is going to be rolled out properly. Uh, apparently
2: now. so. Yes. Um, all the things I was reading about I think I don't think the sentencing remarks will be broadcast live. I think they will be. They'll be on a delay. They'll be on yeah. a delay, <laughs> won't they? Yes. But yeah. then they'll be available. Um, so yeah. So um, at this stage, it, the the other aspects I was thinking about was. Um, the number of journalists who go out to cover courts has, has reduced so much over mm. the over recent years, particularly with local newspapers <coughs> that just don't have the resources to sit reporters in court day after day. Yeah. And I think while this is still covering the big uh, big cases, it may result in more court reporting appearing in, in newspapers, in radio and TV broadcasting, because that material is going to be a- accessible, oh. isn't it?
1: Well, it's a great, for us, educational tool. Yeah, for students, yes, you yeah. know, uh, just to bring it, although we take them to court, and uh, having it immediately you can use in, in lectures and, and classrooms, fantastic.
0: Certainly from the broadcaster's <laughs> point of view, it makes a huge difference to have mm. that material available. So, it, you yeah. know, it, it brings yeah. the viewer in literally into the courtroom, yes, which is yeah. something that we can't it do. Demystifies under and it demystifies the whole demystify process. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: absolutely. And, I, and I suppose it'll, it'll still enjoy... Uh, absolute privilege. Um, yes. Even though yeah. reporters mm. won't be in court, I yeah. guess they will still have the. Uh,
0: well, we can also see how the, how it's changed the, the the coverage of, for example, the uh, the Supreme Court ruling on mm. uh, on the prorogation of Parliament, and all the attention was on Lady Hale and her spiders brooch and stuff and. No, the public wouldn't really have been aware mm. of that if they hadn't seen the, the film of it, if they hadn't seen the pictures of it, and that was available to the broadcasters and, and to news websites. They put it out, and bingo, it became a big, big national story. It, it
1: became a personalised, a personalised story. personalised In story. some ways, yeah. 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 Which is actually
0: the, the danger that you were warning about, Dave, wasn't it? That I've it yeah. does become personalised around and the judge. And when you've just
2: got one judge, yeah. then we'll wait and see. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see the emergence of superstar judges, you know, like, Judge Rinder. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope not. If you have a view on that or anything else
0: we've discussed in the podcast. Any judges, please write in. Yeah, do let us know on Twitter at Right Bang, uh, and uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you. But more now, and, and finally, on those upsets in the Westminster lobby, first came the announcement that the government is moving its two daily briefings from the House of Commons to Downing Street. Number 10 Downing Street. Who, who knew there was oh, a number there? nine? Number nine Downing number nine, Street. Oh, who door knew door there yes. was a number nine? Yes. Till now, these have been a, a chance for, for lobby correspondents within the Palace of Westminster to ask the government spokesman James Slack or sometimes the communications director Lee Kane, about the day's business. But senior editors are concerned that the new system will allow the government to restrict access to these mm. briefings. Previously... They've been open to any journalist at Westminster who had a lobby pass, and there were quite a lot of them. But senior correspondents are having to walk across Downing Street, across Whitehall to Downing Street. They, they worry that that would stop them being able to observe proceedings in the House. For example, mm. some of the local newspapers, regional newspapers, and regional mm. broadcasters only have one lobby correspondent, can't and they be can't the be in two places no. at one time. So, concern about that. Also, issues about journalists getting past the security gates, because that oh. can be a time consuming business, as a couple of government ministers have found out in the past, and a ban on mobile phones inside the the number nine Downing Street office. So ironically, the other issue has to do with mobiles, because after the right-wing politics website Guido Fox started live tweeting from the new number 10 Downing Street briefing room on Monday and Tuesday this week, the, uh, the lobby... The the chair of the lobby, um, Christopher Hope, complained to Guido Fox, to their editor Paul Staines. Staines wrote back saying, thanks very much for your message. Um, Our reporter has no recollection of joining your lobby cartel. Um, and the uh, Guido Fox has had a bit of a beef about all of that for, I mean, for many years, basically, since Paul Staines set up the website. Um, he says, apparently a number of your cartel colleagues have complained about tweets sent from this morning's number nine Downing Street briefing and published in the Guido Fox Twitter feed. Um, as the Downing Street uh, spokesman, James Slack, made clear this morning, these are your rules, not Downing Street's rules. And so... Um, he, the, the rule, apparently, the, re, the received pol- practice is that nobody publishes anything from amongst the correspondents until the briefing's finished. And so live tweeting mm-hmm. upsets that particular at, apple cart. Um, what's going on?
1: Honor amongst thieves, uh, I think it's a further tightening of the screws on, on the media in some ways, you know, given, um, I mean, it was interesting that Johnson was talking, of warning his ministers not to become you know, media types, and the dangers of, you know, uh, speaking to the media, you just knuckle down and do your job. Um, I think there's a definite change of culture in the air, uh, which is interesting, actually, given that uh, during the election, he was often, avoiding, personally he was often avoiding engaging with the media, you know, the banning of Channel 4 from the bus, um, uh, numerous instances of, you know, what seems to be a party and now a government that doesn't really want to engage um, uh, but actually maybe there is something in this cozy political parliamentary reporting system w- which maybe does need a, shake up, need a bit of a shake really up, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. you know th- th- think of cummings and just because it's always been done this way and given the age of social media and you know gentlemen's agreements do they mm. exist should they still exist
2: um it does know. seem a bit bizarre that it, that it still does exist and that nobody has done this previously. Um, and interesting that it's, it's come from um, an online um, mm. media outlet rather than one of the mainstream traditional print. But politically outlets. close. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes yeah, yes. politically close. I mean,
0: it, yeah. when I first read it, I thought, "Oh, that's Dominic Cummings behind all of this," because yeah. it's the kind of thing that he would, he would maybe, he would love to see a yeah. uh, yeah. big shake-up of the lobby system, which Definitely. he's got no respect yeah. for yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll Um, I'll I'll put a link in the the show notes to an episode of the Guardian's Today in Focus podcast mm -hmm. from a couple of days ago, where Jim Waterston, their media editor, was talking about the relationship between Downing Street and uh, and the BBC, and particularly their basically embargo on government ministers going on the Today Mm. programme and the effect that that has, because they're sending government ministers to Five Live, for example, now rather than Today, and that's got up the Today. Editors knows quite a lot. But it's all
2: part of the shifting sands of the political landscape at the moment, you know, when you think also about the proposals to move the House of Lords north, yep. you know, potentially to York mm. or, or Birmingham. So there are no certainties anymore, are there? You know.
1: And maybe it might see an end to, you know, what people inwardly groan, maybe when they see a source said, a minister said, that kind of informal briefing which emanates from that, you know, the huddles. Um... There might be, you know, might force people to be much more open in more a way. More transparent. More yeah. transparent and we thought. Which talked I about know a lot of
0: lobby correspondents have, have argued for in the past. Mm. A lot of political correspondents have said, isn't it about time that we gave the name of the government spokesman? Who's James Slack? You know, yes. well, he's the yeah. official government spokesman. Yeah. We're not really meant yeah. to mention his name in public, but, but there he is, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I guess. I mean, I, I think that the Tony Blair Labour government in 1997 oh. made some gestures towards that by opening up a little mm. bit more, but it never yeah. really got very no. far, and then closed down again in the noughties. So, yeah, mm. there, has, there has been mm. a... Interesting. There, there, there's a, it looks like maybe a change is, is on the way, mm. even if it's not particularly welcome. Yeah, yeah. I Okay well uh, but the other thing I did want to mention actually it's interesting that this comes in the context of the shake up in the royal briefing system and the royal mm-hmm. rota getting getting messed up a little bit because that's been so reliant on their own form of lobby briefings isn't it, as mm-hmm. well you know and people close to the palace and former servants and blah blah blah, blah, blah.
1: yeah i mean it's interesting the uh, I was reading the other day and it, I thought that's a good point actually about Given the the, the Ferrari around Harry and Meghan, how quickly senior palace sources are quick to go to media, and you know a tentacle spread. Yeah. Um, mm. So you know, outside of that royal water system, there is you know there are avenues where the media can easily you know you don't need to go to, they come to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks both for that. And um, before we wind up for, for today, Dave, Jez, what's what's coming up this week, um, Dave?
1: Uh, Ofcom next week. Funnily enough. Funnily enough, so, yeah. Okay. Introduction to broadcast regulation. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, fully enough. In the, for the second years, we're doing Ofcom next week in media law and regulation. Ipso this week, and I think for the third years in law and ethics, we're going to be looking at verification of sources and how how do you know. Ooh what what sources can you trust and all that sort of thing well
0: that's something that we'll be looking at with the first years as well for the journalism media and society unit because we've got um, nick newman from the reuters institute uh, yeah. at oxford university of oxford i um, coming on on skype to talk about their prediction for 2020 and beyond and th- that includes some stuff about mm. verification yes so we'll see what we can that's pick up and uh, if i can get the technology to work i want to try and get some of uh, nick nick's um uh Q&A with the students get some of that onto Bang to Rights next week so hopefully um, listeners will be able to hear a little bit of that um, mm, next week so all fantastic. being well we're also doing a hook up next week with um, students and teachers at a, uh, a university in Canada
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and uh, Dave tell us a little bit about the, the plans for that because that's something that will hopefully be on the northern Court yes, as well yes
1: uh, Fanshawe College one of our, uh, we have a partnership with and um, in Ontario and we're going to have a joint news day so we will, we've chosen various issues which we're going to look at, you know, in common, maybe Harry and Meghan, yeah. um, you know, the Canada link, um, things like vaping, decriminalisation of cannabis, etc. And the idea being that we'll produce joint content on the day. Our students will team up and, and pair it with Canadian Journalism students produce joint content and will share across both platforms. They have a, a very uh, busy news website, not dissimilar to Northern Quota, they have a radio station. So it's just going to be a chance for, you know, to forge links internationally, to share content and for students to kind of look beyond Manchester.
0: Yeah, great. So that's all happening on Wednesday next Wednesday week, which is our normal recording day at the moment. Sure. So. You and I, Dave, are both going to be very busy with, with all the Canada yes. link-up stuff. So I think what we'll probably do next week's Bank to Rights might, will, will almost certainly be on Thursday. Uh, we'll go online on Thursday, possibly Friday, depending how long it takes to mop up all that stuff, to put that stuff together. into. But any audio that we can from that link-up, we'll, we'll yes, get on to definitely. Bank to Rights next week. So Bank to Rights next week will be a little bit different, and hopefully the week after... We have Claire Sanderson, who's the uh, editor of uh, Women's Health magazine. She's also going to be talking to her first years, and she will also do that as part of of Bang to Rights week after next. So look out for all of that in the coming weeks. But um, that's it for for this week. Remember to tweet us at RightsBang if there are issues from your reading or your lectures that you'd like us to cover in future editions, so getting into February Mm -hmm. time. Remember to subscribe to Bang to Rights, search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, and we'll drop straight onto your podcast feed. Or you'll also find us on the Northern Quota SoundCloud feed, and that's all one word, MMU Northern Quota. In the meantime, we have been Bang to Rights. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Joe Thanks, Pete. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon.